Hi, and thanks for downloading that B-Word podcast. This is your beautiful bipolar host, Becky. And you guys, you have to go download or watch on YouTube <laughs> the the video for The Warriors, you know, from the 80s. Yeah. I am a warrior. Heart to heart we live if you survive. The warrior, the warrior. You know that one? So, yeah, you have to go download or watch that on YouTube right now because <laughs> it is hilariously 80s. There's face paint and there's a guy that's silver with a claw and crazy dancing that looks like it belongs in cats. It's epic. You must watch it right away. <laughs> it will it guaranteed to brighten your day. <laughs> Yeah, other than that, things are going okay, I guess. I'm still having these periods of, and I don't even know what to call it, just kind of like a a really down, needy feeling. And it's not fun, but it's usually only in the evenings and at nights, so... I I guess that's good, although I still get some like pretty bad anxiety during the day, which the uh, visceral really does nothing to to help. <laughs> um, but I mean, it helps knock me out a little bit, I guess, but it doesn't really touch the anxiety. Maybe once. That's about it. That might say something that might say more about my uh, sensitivity to medication than it does anything else, though. You know what I mean? I noticed something else today when I was editing, and it was driving me insane. You you guys have probably noticed my tendency to go, like, make a mm noise. It was driving me crazy. I'm going to have to edit that out because I can't leave it in there. Um, yeah, I have to... I say that all the time, and I laugh at really weird places. So if you notice me laughing in a serious conversation, it's not because I think it's funny, I promise. It's some sort of nervous laughter. And I don't, uh, I don't really have control over it. It's, it's weird, and hearing myself do it is even weirder. Because I know that I was not amused. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so that's been going on. Oh, and I finally spit in the vial. I spit in the little tube, and I just have to send it out, and I will get all my information back, and I'll be able to tell you guys that I'm not really Romanian like I thought I was. So I'm like French or something. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, evidently, you can kind of opt out of getting all the health-related information. So I just did that. I just opted out of it and I don't have to worry about accidentally seeing that I'm 99% likely to get Parkinson's or something. So yay, that worked out fine. And it was my stepson's 12th birthday the other day and he got some birthday money and he decided he wanted to spend it all on getting a tablet. So he's got a new tablet now that he I keep having to approve apps through the family <laughs> through the family app uh, for him to download. But he's really excited about it. My issue 
is that he wants to um, take it back with him to his mother's house, which is fine. I don't have anything against him having things other places, but they have, there's five kids in that family. One of them is a kindergartner with autism who likes to break things and I'm just afraid that he's going to get that broken and it's going to break his heart. <laughs> and But uh, I can't very well tell him not to take it home with him. You know, he wants it. I can't say I blame him. He just bought it. Hopefully it won't get busted. I don't know. Man, being a step-parent is hard. I'm sure being a parent is hard too, but I don't know. It's a different set of challenges, I think. Anyway, the, um, the Seroquel that I'm on is... I guess it's doing its job, you know what I mean? I'm not sure. See, I was having really bad, like, intrusive thoughts um, and compulsive thoughts, kind of. And now those have lessened significantly, although they're not gone. And, you know, the ones that are still there, pretty, you know, they're still pretty significant. They're still pretty vivid. So... I'm wondering if maybe the antipsychotic helped diminish that. I might have talked about this already. I'm not sure. Um, and if so, if they're going to, you know, want to try and raise that for another 50, 100 milligrams to try and get the rest of those little pesky little thoughts out. And I really don't want to do that. Because, it's, yes, it helps me sleep, and that's kind of the reason that I was put on it in the first place, because I wasn't sleeping all that well, but I'm just afraid that eventually that's all I'm going to end up doing is just sleeping. Instead of going out and living life, I'm going to be either in bed or in the podcast chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, hopefully they don't raise it, and I can just continue the thought-stopping techniques that my therapist is trying to get me to do. Which, you know, works sometimes. I still have that song stuck in my head. I just, I keep wanting to just break out into song. <laughs> so, enjoy this, this episode of Becky Keeps Breaking Out the Song. And something else that I noticed while I was editing um, the interview that's going to be in this podcast because I've already recorded that I laugh a crazy amount I don't know why I don't know if it's I think it's probably some sort of stress response or some kind of nervous laughter but that's all I do somebody talks and my immediate reaction is ha 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 what what is that am I some coquettish little 20-year-old milkmaid? No. Why do I do that? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm going to try not to, but I don't know if I can. It's I don't even notice I do it until I listen back to the audio, and I'm like, oh, there I go again. But anyway, so uh, in news and reviews this week, first off, I wanted to um, kind of put the call out for review material. I have a few things on deck a movie and a couple of books that I want to review. But if you guys have anything that you would like me to do or 
something you're particularly interested in, uh, let me know and I'll do a little review about of it, about it, of it, whatever. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've been so good at doing them so far, <laughs> so why not? <laughs> anyway, so for the main part of news and reviews today, um, I'm going to talk about veterans health because today in the U.S. is Veterans Day and it's a topic of some debate in the U.S. as of right now um, as to what can be done to improve veterans' mental health. Um, you know, a lot of people say that it's the government's job. Um, a lot of people, I don't know, people who don't say that seem to not have an opinion on it, <laughs> I guess. Um, but it's a big problem because according to a lot of the articles that I've read, um, one on Yahoo Finance titled What's Killing America's Veterans, Here's What the Data Says, by Sai Mukherjee, M-U-K-H-E-R-G, nope, J-E-E, -E, um, published on the 10th of November this year. It indicates that an average of 20 veterans a day commit suicide, um, and that 18% of all suicides, adult suicides in America were committed by veterans, which is a scary high rate. You know, I suppose it's not, you know, it's a tragedy. And I think one that we could, you know, as a society maybe help because, you know, there is treatment out there for things like PTSD and depression and bipolar disorder. One of the, uh, statistics that I saw was a little graph that indicated suicide rates among people with different mental health and substance use disorders far and away by, you know, 20% almost. Um, veterans with bipolar disorder are more likely to commit suicide than with any other comorbid condition. So that kind of hits close to home for me as well. I mean, we all know the statistics for for um, bipolar disorder, and it looks like for veterans, it's you know exponentially more deadly. You know, I don't have a lot of solution. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not not a policy wonk. I don't know anything about government. I don't know anything. You know what I mean? But what I can do is try and share some resources and hope that somebody who, you know, is in need can uh, get some help. There is a website. Um, it's www.mentalhealth.va.gov. And that has a few links on there, some self-help resources for somebody who might not want to maybe go see somebody, um, although there's nothing wrong with that. There's also the Veterans Crisis Line, which is 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. And that will connect you to a crisis center that can help you out. Or, you know, message me. <laughs> I'm always here to lend an ear, if nothing else. I don't, you know, pretend to know much about veterans issues. I was never, I never served. I was never in the service. And my family... My father, though he did serve, didn't uh, 
never didn't see combat, so I don't know anything about um, those kinds of issues. But I'm always, you know, here to just listen. And I guess that's all a lot of us can do is just, you know, be there. Uh, be someone to talk to and a sympathetic ear. There's a quote in one of the articles I was looking at today from the Santa Fe New Mexican dot com. The byline is Robert Knott and Sammy Edge. And they interviewed a, a woman whose husband um, killed himself. He was a, a veteran. And she says that the rage, the anger, it all came out in a split second. And I think most vets who try to kill themselves get caught up in that split second. And it's a mistake. And then it's too late. So if you can just, you know, wait for just a minute, you know, just a few seconds, that might be all it can, that might be all it you need. You may not know much about the challenges of being a veteran with a mental illness, but I do know pain. And I know that not may endure a bit mutability, right? That's a Percy Shelley quote. It means that nothing stays the same but change. And if you can just hold on for a few minutes, things will change. You know, maybe not right away, maybe even not right for the better right away. But things change. And making making a decision that's a what how they say what a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I usually roll my eyes when I hear that. <laughs> but it's true. You know? Nothing is as it is right now, forever. So happy Veterans Day. And uh thank you to everybody out there who has served in the military. We appreciate you, truly. And on the genetic testing front, I saw an article today from Silent, um, nope, not Silence, from Science, that's different, from Science Daily, uh, that was published, let's see, an article sourced out of the University of Adelaide on November 8th. And it indicated that that genes linked to schizophrenia in patients with bipolar disorder are the reason that some patients don't respond to lithium, which is interesting because I don't know how many of you listen to the bipolar family, but bipolar Bob um, talks about how he has schizoaffective disorder, and but also that lithium has been very helpful for him, which kind of surprises me when I read this article, because I always thought that schizoaffective disorder shared some genetic component with schizophrenia, but apparently not, because that seems to be the reason that some people don't respond to lithium. I've actually never been prescribed lithium, but I know a lot of people really, a lot of, it really helps a lot of people. And then some people, just that they don't respond to it at all. Now, the article goes on to say that though the patients that are diagnosed with bipolar disorder who showed a poor response to lithium all shared um, a number of genes identified for schizophrenia, that doesn't mean 
that the patient has schizophrenia. That just means that they have the high genetic risk, you know, the thing that I don't want to find out from 23andMe. That's what they're talking about. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on that, or if you have any thoughts on lithium, be sure to let me know, and I'll mention that in the next episode. I'll tell you what, there was one thing that kind of made me mad. So I, as I do, I have a little, I have a little Google search set up for um, different mental health topics, you know, and one of those topics is borderline personality disorder, and I clicked on that today, and popped up great big at the top of the page, an article titled, Having These Personality Traits Might Mean You're Evil. And you click on the link, and there's a big old picture of Ted Bundy just grinning away. And uh, go on to read the article. It does not say that being borderline makes you evil. It doesn't even mention it um, at all. It talks more about narcissism and uh, things like that. But just the fact that the that that search would bring up an article entitled does this make you evil just bumps me out you know what I mean it just I mean, it bumps me out it makes me angry there's no need for that you know BPD is stigmatized enough without being lumped into John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy and all them anyway so today's interview is with somebody who's already heard from, well, that we've already heard from in written form. O is back, and he's on the phone, and we're going to have a conversation with him. It's a really good conversation. Um, I think you'll like it a lot. We touch on a lot of uh, topics we haven't really covered on this show before. So I hope you enjoy it. I have O on the line. Hi, O. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Very well. Great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I can't complain too much. So, yeah. So, how um, how have you been doing since I got your last email? I mean, you sounded like you weren't doing too great at that point. No, it's been uh, it's been an interesting few weeks. Um, we've had a lot of house guests. Uh, living oh. in the US and coming from the UK means that um, the house guests don't come for a short period of time either. So we have my parents right. here for a few weeks. We've got my wife's parents and my wife's father's here at the moment. Um, and on top, uh, sort of interspersed in a month that I had to go to Europe and the Middle East for work and a few other places. Um, and it's just it's just been incredibly busy. So um, I was I think when we were talking I was suffering from a nasty case of jet lag and the fact that I just uh, I was in Dubai for 48 hours and with a 10 hour mm-hmm. time difference and time difference is always always uh, affects my mood can go up can go yeah. down but unfortunately it went down this time right yeah I know that any time that I have my sleep schedule interrupted it's a recipe for some sort of mood shift yeah. Who knows what it's going to Absolutely. be. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it used to always send me um, manic, but before I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. but um, 
since since I've been taking sort of the various the various uh, medications, uh, it can go either way, which is um, less fun. <laughs> I've, always, yeah. I've always travelled a lot for work, but uh, yeah, it's not always a guaranteed high anymore. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we supervisors tend to do that. It seems <laughs> unfortunate. Sometimes I feel like the doctors are so uh, intent on treating the mania that <laughs> that it's uh, I'd rather they almost treat the depression instead and then go to the mania. But I guess it doesn't yeah. work like that. I think um, I would I, I'd agree. I'd rather the depression was treated, but my bank probably agrees with the uh, mania being treated. Although I do, <laughs> I do take um, I do take um, an antidepressant as part of the cocktail, which which has taken off the sort of incredibly deep lows, mm-hmm. um, but it hasn't which... it hasn't taken away everything. No, no, mine hasn't either. I take a fixer. And that's it's kind of the same. I mean, I like it okay. It doesn't have too many side effects, but for me anyway. Mm, but it's might, not um, a cure-all. No, no, not, nothing is. It's all it's all part of a uh, a learning process. As you know, the psychiatrists try out the different medications. I mean, I I think I've had a rotation of six that they've tried throughout this year. On top of mm-hmm. just. Uh, on top of on top of the ones that I already had, which have been fairly stable, so it's yeah, uh-huh. it, and just sometimes I'm a zombie, sometimes sometimes I'm all over the place, um, but I think yeah, things are pretty good right now. Um, they haven't changed the cocktail for a while. Yeah, that's good. Changes always affect me poorly. From so you had mentioned in your email that you um, wanted to talk about family, children, and spouses, and and how. Uh, bipolar disorder affects them. Do you worry about passing that on genetically? Yeah, that's one of the um, one of the key concerns that I have. I mean, when 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 you and I were talking, um, mm-hmm. it, it struck me as that it, yeah, it might be an interesting topic. Um, yeah, and you know, I had my children before I was diagnosed, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure. Um, if it would have changed the decision that we had to make to have children or anything like that, um, but now, you know, now they are around. They're you know they're three and five, two little boys bouncing around and running into walls <laughs> and stuff. Um, it you know it, it's in the back of my mind quite constantly about you know is th- is this something that they're going to get? I, I I desperately don't want them to feel like I do sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not this, it, it, um, you know, this sort of sense of almost future guilt. You know, if one of them, one of them or both of them do, do end up, um, with some sort of mental health issue is, um, yeah, something which weighs quite heavily on my mind. And then there's the effect mm-hmm. of sort of the day to day life living, living around me, uh, and that sort of stuff. And, you know, my wife protects them quite well, but, yeah, the older ones, especially, is very empathetic, and mm-hmm. you know, you can tell you can tell when things are going on. He gets very, he gets very cuddly. He gets very, um, yeah, he gets he almost becomes incredibly understanding. You know, his behaviour just improves. <laughs> he stops being a five-year-old and starts being sort of a really empathetic young man, um, which 
uh, I'm, I'm not sure is uh, what I want for a five-year-old. I want a five-year-old to be a five-year-old and throw Lego at his little brother and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, kids surprise you sometimes with uh, how grown-up they can seem sometimes. And then, and then other days, I have two step-kids. Mm-hmm. One just turned 12, and then the other just turned 10 in August. And I worry about that, too. Not so much with the genetics, obviously, but with just the environmental stuff. Um yeah. How much is my occasional fit of, you know, rage and throwing dishes going to going to affect them? So I don't know. They're not with us all the time, so hopefully it's mitigated a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I know what you mean about the the environmental factors. You know, if I'm, I mean, one of one of the features of both my both my my mania and hypermania and my depression is is you know rage. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it comes with comes on both sides. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's never um, it's never physical in any way. I never you know throw dishes or or anything like that. But but my my temper is quick to rise and very loud when it does. Um, right. Yeah. And it and it can scare and it can scare them. Um, and you know that's not fair. They they're, they're they're young people. They 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 have you know rights. They have opinions. They have all of these things that need to be protected and nurtured. And they shouldn't be scared of daddy. Um, mm-hmm. And you know a, a lot of the time I'm able to 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 reel it in quite quickly, or even before it's kind of come out and take mm-hmm. myself somewhere else. Um, but you know, when you're in the, when you're in the throes of something that seems beyond your control, particularly mixed episodes, then, then unfortunately sometimes they're exposed to that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, my wife does a great job of protecting them from, from things. She'll, she'll entertain them. And she, I mean, there was a period at the beginning of last year where, um, I think, I, I think, um, We've spoken about this where I, I was in a depression for months, an incredibly deep depression, melancholic, crying all the time every day. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can tell you what they did for about three months. They, they were just protected from me, you know, not not having to not having to um, to engage. I mean, we did engage. We went out. We did things, but. Um, you know, there were there were times when I just was so disassociated from from what was happening that I don't mm-hmm. actually remember what was happening, but I can remember my wife protecting, you know, not physically protecting them, but just protecting them from the situation, taking them out right. of the taking them out of the the environment, um, so that they, you know, didn't didn't sort of see me at my worst. Right. Do you think that she can, does she sense it pretty quickly when she sees something coming on? And Yes, she's much better than me at spotting things coming. Um, and I think that's probably natural because when, uh, particularly with the mania, it just feels good, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> it's just, um, um, but yeah, there was, there was a, there was a period, um, beginning of this year where I, I was 
I um I started a cycling club at two o'clock in the morning. I set up the website and by the next morning there were twenty people confirmed to come along for the first ride on the Saturday because I'd been sending it out to Facebook groups and and stuff like that. And I just remember her sort of rolling over at three o'clock in the morning and saying, Are you you know, are you all right? And like, yeah. <laughs> Why? What's unusual about this? <laughs> completely normal, right? <laughs> yeah, completely normal. It doesn't start cycling clubs at two o'clock in the morning in uh, in February in Colorado when the snow is really big. Oh no, that's right. You live in the mountains. I forgot. As far as your kids go, do you think there's going to be uh, like an age or a time that you're going to sit down with them and kind of explain things? They're probably young now, coming in the um, coming up in their older. Yeah, so we've already kind of approached it with the older one. Um, mm-hmm. but sometimes, you know, the daddy's got a poorly head and I don't know if poorly's a word you have in the US, so just, you know, daddy, it's, it's a, it's a gentle word for sick. <clears throat> okay. Daddy's got a poorly, daddy's got a poorly head and, you know, sometimes if I've had a bad spell, either way, I'll, I'll sit down with him and kind of, we'll talk about it and say, look, you know that, you know, you know that daddy's, um, sometimes doesn't feel very well, and you know, it can make him cry, or or it can make him shout, and things like that. And, yeah, mm-hmm. he he's quite understanding, and actually, he uh, we overheard him not so long ago trying to explain it to his little brother, which again I think is both adorable and a bit sad that a five year old has taken on that responsibility. I mean, the 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 the, the youngest boy, um, boy two, has no concept of of what's going on around him. Um, right. I was having this conversation with my my father-in-law and my wife last night. You know, was, he 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 lives very much in the moment, and I think that you know, as kids develop, they they start to see consequences and they start to see the future and understand the past and understand relationships and interactions and things like that. Um, the the younger one is not quite there yet. It might uh, even be a little bit easier with his brother explaining it to him. He might have a a better better luck conveying it child to child. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I I think when when you know when the time is right, I'll have a similar conversation with him that I'll have with um with the older one. But um, mm-hmm. I, it just feels like an awful lot of weight to put on somebody so small. You know, I don't right. want them to change their behaviour. I don't want them to to um. Well, sometimes I want them to change their behaviour, but that's only natural. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't want them to to feel like they have to be different around me and things like that. Um, and I also don't want you know I'm, not, I'm never going to hide anything from them. Um, we're we're mm-hmm. very open, um, but it's about gauging the level of understanding what they can what they can process at a certain point. You know whether they're emotional maturity is there and that sort of stuff and you know we'll we'll gradually introduce it more and more to them and it's fully you know be fully intend to and I also want to prepare them for you know the possibility that that they might feel bad in the future or they might feel you know right yeah I see that that they don't have to have sort of feel as alone as I suppose I did growing up um, not really understanding what was going on. 
yeah, I wasn't diagnosed until my mid to late thirties. But when I went through it with the psychiatrist, yeah, my the depression and especially started in my mid teens, and then it mm-hmm. developed into my I think I had my first significant manic episode uh, around twenty. I don't know if it forms part of your diagnosis, but we did this timeline, which was essentially 12 pieces of A4 paper laid on end with notable events marked out on them and and kind of the mood at the time and, and that sort of stuff. And right. it's actually quite an interesting, yeah, it's quite an interesting project to do that. Um, and it helped form part of the diagnosis that, you know, what were you doing at this point in time? Why were you thinking like this? And that sort of thing. And I have, I want to, uh, so you can probably hear them shouting in the background. Um, I want to, I, I just want <laughs> to make sure that if, if they feel bad, that they know they can talk, they know they can open up to us. We don't ever want right. them to, to kind of, you know, kids, have, children have secrets from their parents, but we don't want them to be serious ones. Right. And it might be not as confusing if they, if they, yeah you know, have seen that in you and you've talked to them about it. So, yeah, that's great. Um, Do you, as far as heredity goes, do you feel like you came by bipolar disorder genetically? Did did your parents have any sort of issues like that? Or do you feel like it kind of just crept up on you? I've always felt a little bit like it crept up on me. There There are certain things in the family which points to manic episodes and things like that um yeah. we don't go a great we don't go a great way back on my mother's side unfortunately because my grandmother was adopted on her side um so there's there's a bit of a dead end but certainly on my father's side there's there's a few kind of there's definitely you know uh, an uncle who sadly passed away last year who had you know, manic sprees and things like that. I don't know if it ever developed into depression. He may, I mean, I, I, I'm high functioning. So outwardly, you know, unless you live with me for a period of time, or we become incredibly close day, day in, day out, you'll, you'd never really know, um, right. that there was anything untoward with me, I suppose. Um, you might pick up on the mania and things like that, but you would never pick up on the depression. And I think I've said that to you before, you know, Mm-hmm. Colleagues, you know, I I could be standing on the edge of a of a platform at a train station, contemplating jumping in front of my train and be at the office half an hour later, and no one would be any the wiser. Um, so I don't know if he had a similar presentation where the mania he was just the fun uncle and and the depression we never saw. Um, mm-hmm. But I certainly think it's a I certainly think it's a, a possibility. Yeah, with hindsight, everything's a lot clearer with hindsight. Right. I actually found one of my old journals the other day uh, from, I don't know, 2000, somewhere around that area. And you can actually see in my journals when I would, like, have a mood swing, my handwriting would change. uh, The cadence of my writing completely changed. I was like, (laughs) oh, wow, (laughs) this is enlightening. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? When were you diagnosed? What age were you? Um, when I was diagnosed, oh no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I was diagnosed, I was 27. I, seven? Yeah, seven. And, yeah, that's kind of a little bit later than a lot of people, I think, but yeah, 27 was after a pretty 
serious manic episode where I raged out on a few people. Um, mm. I think I talked about that in my first episode. But yeah, so they had to put me in the hospital after that. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, old enough to be able to look back and and see the clues pointing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I think on some level, I already knew, and I'm pretty sure my mom did too. <laughs> she would, <laughs> she would always, I remember I was just sitting, she was just sitting there one day watching TV and she looks over me and she says, have you ever tried to go on lithium? <laughs> what? Oh, that's really random. <laughs> not, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure why she didn't, um, you know, take me to the doctor, but. What it is, what it is now, I guess. That's, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that my, my issues are genetic, genetic as well, because I think my mom also has, well, I'm not sure, I, bipolar disorder or possibly borderline personality disorder, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, the one, the one thing, um, I found when I, when I told my parents was that they didn't seem surprised. It was like, oh, right. That all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think so, too. At least, well, my father is in denial, but that's okay. <laughs> He's allowed to be. That must be hard, though. Um, it can be, but we work through it. We have a functioning relationship, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Part of, and I can cut this part out if you don't want to talk about it, but in part of your story, um, you mentioned that when you were um, having your manic episodes that you would have sex with men and women. Are you bisexual, or do you think that was just a symptom of your of your uh, mania? No, it's fine. I've always considered myself um bisexual there was quite a long period of time where it it was exclusively men um when i was much mm-hmm. younger and yeah my my wife is fully aware of all this i, I was seeing uh, a man when we met and we, we were friends for a long time before we became anything else um mm-hmm. and i think actually understanding the disorder understanding the symptoms um made a lot of sense of kind of my behavior when I was younger. There was a, I was particularly in my early twenties when I was treated for depression. I was given sertraline um, for three years. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I, I was, I was manic for those three years. I, I right. declared bankruptcy. I, I, I drank every single day. I was, you know, spending hundreds of pounds on, on drinking, um, every week. Um, not by myself, not sitting there with a bottle of whiskey sort of, sobbing into the carpet or the pillows or anything but going out every night with friends right and it was yeah it was it was non-stop um until i came off the um the search loop. and at that point it you know nobody thought well hang on a sec maybe there's there's something more to this it was just considered that my mood had improved and it wasn't i was no longer depressed and uh you know frankly the gay scene's a lot more fun than than the rest of it <laughs> in, ter- <laughs> in terms in, in terms of the um j- just in terms of the, the people the 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 kind of um 
nightlife that exists uh, every day of the week. Uh, the, the right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a. It's just a lot of fun, and I, you know, I, I stay in touch with a lot of friends from from almost two decades ago. Um, <laughs> it seems like a long time, and um, yeah, a long time, but not so long. Yeah. They've all, it's it's strange, but they've all been, you know, a, a lot of friends that I made at that time have been very accepting of the fact that I now have two children, a, a, a house, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I think they, that's when you know you've kind of got true friends because, you know, uh, there's right. an initial period of time where you come out and there's this initial period of time where you, yeah, so there's a period of time um, when it's quite, you know, when it's quite... Um, quite difficult and you're kind of coming out and then actually doing it the other way around is remarkably hard as well especially if your mm-hmm. social life is primarily um sort of gay friends that sort of thing right yeah no i i can relate to that <laughs> um that relationship that uh kind of when i ended up in the hospital was um with a woman who ended up cheating on me so mm. yeah i can understand that and then after that i um dated basically just men since then and now i'm married to one <laughs> <laughs> so but i think sometimes that um in her case um she was diagnosed bipolar before i was so she knew about it um and i don't think that she's bisexual i think that she was just I think she was just manic, honestly, <laughs> and uh, that she didn't really, that's not really part of her personality because, you know, having been the only, as far as I know, I was the only woman she was ever with. So, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if if that can be a symptom or or not. I guess it just depends on the person. Yeah, it depends on the person. I mean, for me... I would still identify as bisexual. Um, yeah. But I'm also, you know, been in a a long, loving, committed relationship for a long time now, and it happens to be with a woman. That's how I look at it. Let's change the topic. <laughs> what have you got in mind? So living up in the up in Denver, I'm not sure how the seasons progress there. Is it? snowing there or <laughs> is it just fall or is it always sunny well okay so it's denver so it's always sunny doesn't matter if it's what what season it is um okay 300, 300 days of sunshine um i think it's the sunniest city in the state except for somewhere in hawaii wow. i'm not sure uh in terms of consistent sunshine. i mean I, last year when, when i first moved here i spent eight months and i didn't see a cloud um but we've already, you know, today it's in the mid seventies, high seventies weather-wise. But but last weekend it snowed. The week before we had a foot of snow, and in, you know it oh, can wow. be it can be thirty degrees on the Sunday and then seventy degrees on the Tuesday, um, especially oh. this time of year. So the summer is six months of kind of ninety to one hundred degrees sunshine, wall to wall, and then the oh. The fall is about three days long, um, and then you have about five, five months of a sunny, snowy winter. So, do you um, 
does the seasonal affective disorder doesn't impact you up there at all, or is that something you still deal with? Because here um, in Ohio, it's very gloomy right now. Um, it's never. I've never really had seasonal affective disorder. My my cycles have always been about eighteen months long, rather than kind of tied to the season. So. Okay. If it, it, yeah, I'm not sure if that's normal. I'm not sure if if the seasons are always always affect people or if they don't. But but mine mine I tend to be relatively immune to the changing of the seasons. Um, I found yeah, they affect me pretty badly when the mm. when the sun goes away. Mm, I think of, I think about getting that um that sunlight. Oh, I don't yeah. remember the name of it, but it's supposed to sort of simulate the light of the sun. So I'm thinking about getting that. I've heard good things about it. I have as well. I, I think uh, the SAD lamp, seasonal affective disorder lamp, isn't that what it's called? Uh, yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah. So I've heard good things about them. I've heard people who've used them. I've got friends who are starting to dust them off within the season as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, I can always tell, like, this time of year, I mean, for me, and I, th- I think a few other people I've met, the seasons are a big uh, trigger, I guess. Yeah. But I can always kind of feel it this kind this time of year, kind of just creeping in on the edges a little bit. Um, do you ever notice when your mood is about to change, or um, is do you think that's something that you can only notice, like only noticeable from outside, or? What do you think about that? I don't notice the mania. I, I don't notice that coming. Um, mm-hmm. Or the hypermania. I mean, I've, I've only been manic once. Uh, right. And uh, in mixed episodes or something that I get. But um, I can generally feel that the depression is coming. And I think I spend more time in depression than I do in mania. I think I've got the raw mm-hmm. end of the deal. Um, <laughs> yeah, we and, do. Yeah, I can I can generally feel that coming, but I can't do anything about it. That's that's mm-hmm. the, that uh, you kind of feel a bit helpless, like you're just kind of on a on a on a path that you can't you know with no exits, no no turn offs or anything like that. And yeah, that's yeah, it can be quite scary. Actually, mm-hmm. um, because I think I mentioned um, that the one of the first indication I the first indications I get um, that I notice is is kind of suicidal thoughts and, and things like that. And it's, oh, where did that come from? Oh no, I don't right. know. And they can come for no reason out of nowhere. Um, and then my wife notices things like chastising myself, calling myself names, that sort of thing. Um, around that time, mm-hmm. and then it's just a case it's um, weathering the storm, really remembering that you know, every time this has happened, it's also stopped. Although that can be really right. a hard perspective to maintain. Yeah, it when can. You're kind of, you, when you're right in the depths of it. Do you have any any coping skills that you can put in place before it gets 
terribly bad or do you just kind of batten down the hatches and wait for it to blow over? Uh, it's generally batten down the hatches and wait for it to blow <laughs> over. There's, there's, mm-hmm. I, I, I tried meditation, I, you know, exercise, nothing dense it. Um, mm-hmm. which I think adds, adds to the feeling of helplessness or adds to the feeling that there's, there's, it's an impending thing that you can't do anything about. Um, I don't know if it's different with unipolar depression where something, where you can, where there is often a trigger of some sort. Um, but for me, there's, there's, there's very rarely a trigger. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, it's, if, there's, if, if there's no causality, how can you, how can you, um, stop it happening or how can you, how can you divert it? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen people disagree on the subject of whether or not that there are triggers in bipolar disorder and when mm. what they would be. So there are some people who, you know, swear that they, that there are, that their triggers are, say, well, no sleep would be one or the changing of the seasons and things like that. Yeah. And then, I mean, I suppose for me, an ob- yeah, an obvious, sorry, yeah, I suppose for me, an obvious one was the travel that we spoke about earlier. Right. Um, but it's not always related to that, I suppose. You know, sometimes, or more frequently, it's just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> it would be too easy if it was just, uh, if it was, if you could see it coming. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Have you found any coping mechanisms that help? I'd be eager to hear them. Well, um, I try to stay creative. I have a couple of um, hobbies. About I paint, uh, I paint rocks and then I hide them. <laughs> it's a bit strange. <laughs> it's a creative activity that kind of keeps me keeps me going, and uh, I can. I can imagine some child finds the rock and is happy about it. So it gives me a little bit of something to do when I'm not feeling great that it's, I don't know if it lifts my mood or not, but it keeps me occupied. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. 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 Mm. I can imagine a child picking up a rock. <laughs> You're like, oh, I should put paint on this. Yeah. <laughs> and do you yeah. feel, uh, this, is a, this is a question I was wondering, do you, like me in the cycling club, when you started the podcast for that, were you kind of a bit manic then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, for sure. <laughs> I um, I think I started it, created a Twitter and started it all in one day. <laughs> Put the whole yeah. thing together and had like 100 followers by the next morning. It was <laughs> pretty funny. Fantastic. But, you should be a but I'm glad I did, because I think it's a, it's also a creative outlet, you know, and hopefully um, it helps other people as much as it helps me. I don't know. Well, I must say, I've listened to um, the Normal Bipolar Guy and uh, the Bipolar Family podcast and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things I found engaging, or, or, or what one of the things I found engaging about your style is it's more personable. Yeah, not not to say that those those guys aren't. It was just a bit more relatable for me personally. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I um, did you listen to Ace's latest podcast with 
his um, yeah, the, was yesterday, he's going into yeah, the partial hospitalization. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he's. Um, I hope he uh, finds some finds some some comfort through that. He's had a rough couple of months, by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, me too. So we've been writing back and forth about podcasty stuff for a while, and I hope that he uh, hope that helps him out. He's been not in a great place lately. No, is he taking a break from communications as well? Um, from podcasting, I think he is until he's going to be done with the um, with the program. And he probably won't be as um, responsive on email either, but but okay. he's assured me he's going to come back. So <laughs> good, good. I enjoy <laughs> listening to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably the main reason that I started the podcast. Actually, yeah. How did you find his podcast? I, I always wonder what? how people get to where they How did you find his podcast? I always wonder how people got to where they are now. When... I think I just searched the iTunes store for bipolar podcast <laughs> and his just came up. So it wasn't anything. No, no great story there. <laughs> just no, fair <laughs> What about you? How did you, did you find my podcast? Through Ace's podcast? Yes, I, I can't remember if it was before or after you'd... No, it was before you guys had spoken on the podcast. Um, I think mm-hmm. he'd, he'd given you a shout-out when you were just starting. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought, that sounds interesting. Or, or I always like to... You know, I, I, don't, I don't generally listen to music if I'm working. I listen to a podcast from in the car. By myself, I listen to a podcast from the car with other people. I, I, I they find it terribly dull to listen to podcasts in the car. <laughs> it's not just me by myself. So um, right. yeah, I, I, I generally listen to listen to podcasts whilst I'm working, whilst I'm driving, that sort of stuff, whilst I'm working out. Right. Yeah, me too. The uh, my stepsons do not like podcasts. <laughs> They're always. They're always very mad at me when I want to put a podcast on. Although most of the podcasts I listen to aren't child friendly anyway, so I suppose that works out. Yeah, that works out. I um, <laughs> I mean, I always treat it as uh, every day's a school day, and you know some of the most interesting people out there, Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan, and you know the super big podcasts are generally explicit. Um, right. Well, Jock, Jocko Willink and. You know, people like that who have often, I mean I don't listen to every episode but often there's something truly inspirational on there um, or a truly inspirational speaker or something like that and uh, Tim Ferriss had Richard Branson on a couple of weeks ago and I very rarely listen to Tim Ferriss podcast unless it's something that is you know, inherently interesting or there's a learning opportunity or you know, some some opportunity to to kind of grow from listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they also tend to be explicit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things um, that we discussed was kind of 
beyond just the effect on the, the children, the effect on the marriage and the spouse and, oh, yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you wanted to delve into that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so you've been married for quite some time, right? You said you've been together 20 years? No, no, no. We, we, we've been, we've been together, um, 11, 10, 10 years. Oh, 10 years. Yeah. That's still a good chunk of time. Yeah. And, and married for, uh, seven and a half of them, nearly eight. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that I often, often comes to mind is, you know, how, how, how fair is it on my wife that she mm-hmm. married one person and is now living with another one. You know, I can't, um, yeah, you know, fundamentally, I'm exactly the same person, of course, but, you know, a lot of the things that we used to do, um, have dinner, get drinks, that sort of stuff becomes more difficult mm-hmm. when there's this need, you know, when I, I, I can't drink anymore, uh, cause really? of the, you know, the, the, the tablets and the pressure they put on the renal system already, uh, or I should, well, I said, I, I, I either can't drink, shouldn't or shouldn't drink but either way i've chosen not to um mm-hmm. which hasn't been particularly hard but it has it, you know it's a, it's a different dynamic in the relationship um compared you know things we used to do and it's also you know she's yeah it's, it's a it's a it's a different relationship to how it was pre-diagnosis not in a negative way mm-hmm. um but just in a way you know she's still incredibly supportive we're still incredibly in love with each other but Sometimes at my worst, I feel like I'm acting like a, like a third child, um, mm-hmm. which she really doesn't need when she's got two others who are genuinely incapable of wiping themselves. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I, it always astounds me that she still puts up with me sometimes. Don't you think that's pretty much every relationship though? I mean, Every relationship so changes many. at some point. Yeah. I mean, relationships develop, relationships evolve, but this, it was like, I suppose the diagnosis and the subsequent drug regime and changes to lifestyle were almost like a bomb going off in the relationship. You know, mm. similar to, similar to children. You know, it's a completely different dynamic again. And, you know, I've heard so many tales of relationships breaking down because of People being unable to cope with mania, manic spree, mm-hmm. and manic behavior and, and that kind of thing. Um, the often I, you know, I think she's in, you know, she's wonderfully, incredibly forgiving of, you know, of things. And perhaps she, she just doesn't need to be sometimes, I guess. <laughs> I feel very lucky. I feel very lucky. And the, you know, the extra work that goes into looking after the kids when I can't carry the you know i can't pick up my share of the work and, and that sort of stuff right yeah yeah i can certainly understand that sometimes i sometimes i wonder if my husband doesn't enable me yeah i see what you mean yeah yeah i think um one of one of the key things was um what was just sort of gaining an understanding of the manic behavior um, mm-hmm. and i think she still finds it difficult because um, I mean, I, my one of my key issues is 
um, spending money on shiny things or loud things or fast things. And, um, but she'll always call me up on it. Um, but I think it comes from a place of understanding. Um, it never really puts us in a in a bad position. But mm-hmm. um, I do think it's um, you know how how much how much better um, would the college fund look now if I hadn't bought that mm-hmm. motorbike and how much you know all of these kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. Is yeah, it yeah. does she? Does she say that those things bother her? Or is it yes, yes. Yeah. I think it, 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 <laughs> no, it, it does. Um, but but she's also quick to forgive. I think sometimes mm-hmm. she struggled, or initially struggled to understand that it was a uh, something that I almost had no control over. And I think there was um, there, there was there was an initial kind of worry that it was an excuse rather than a rather than a. Mm-hmm. A disorder, right? Like. Uh, right. But it, you know, as as we've done more research, as the patterns have become more discernible and things like that, I think, um, yeah, we you know we have returned stuff to to stores, we um, and things like that at, at the time because she stepped in and said, "Look, that, that's ridiculous. You really don't need that." Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I think it's the it, yeah a, a massive support system that that kind of comes just from her. Yeah, it sounds like she's really um, really supportive. That's great. I um, does she have any background in mental health, or is she uh, did some? Do you guys just do your own research? No, she doesn't have any any background. Um, I said earlier, listening to podcasts and stuff. I love learning and. Mm-hmm. Or love finding love, re- you know, that kind of stuff. And this, in a twisted way, was another topic to get to know. One, right. Uh, <laughs> once I was diagnosed, and mm-hmm. you know, she takes takes an interest in that. It affects her just as much as it affects me. I'm not the only person suffering from a disorder. She just doesn't have the disorder herself. Mm-hmm. You know, she she suffers vicariously. She suffers because of me having it um and yeah she she wanted to develop an understanding of, of that as well and there's a lot of good um information out there from people who you know write about what it's like to have a spouse with this with, with bipolar disorder what it's like to what it's like to live within it and, and that i mean there's a lot of quacks out there who are just self-publishing Mm-hmm. Trash, but there's you know there's, there's mm-hmm. gems in there as well, um, and yeah she's she's come to something and naturally she still gets frustrated and there are times when she's told me she's had to take a step back and remind herself that this isn't something that I'm necessarily in control of, but you know my my I've always felt that it doesn't matter whether I'm in control of it or not at a time you know it's still me my body doing things, my mouth saying words and that kind of thing. So I've got to take some, I've got to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can uh, be very a guilty feeling, I think, when uh, you see that you're impacting somebody else like that. At least it yeah. is for me. It is, it is. I, I, I live with quite a lot of guilt, actually, 
mm. um, which I often think about, you know, but the way she tells it is, you know, one day she might need as much support from me. It's just that right now mm. it's, um, the support has to, the support's flowing towards me instead of out of me. That's a good way to look at it. That's, that's yeah. when you know you're in it for the long haul. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm definitely a, a very lucky boy. Yeah, great. Um, I don't know if there's much more to add on the topic. Do you have anything else you want to talk about or? Uh, not, not, not really. Um, I just, it's been, it's been lovely to, to kind of speak with you. I hope this has been, um, useful. I hope this is something that you oh, yeah. can use. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed speaking to you as well. Now, hopefully we can do it again. We have more topics to, yeah, sure. to cover. You're always welcome to come <laughs> back. Absolutely. Well, I must say, I, I enjoy listening to the podcast. I think the, the conversation you had recently with Brian was great in particular. I enjoyed listening to that one. Yeah, yeah, that was, that ended up being a good episode. Um, um, a little bit, some, some of that guilt again where you, you feel proud about making a product out of somebody else's pain and suffering. But <laughs> there you go. They wouldn't volunteer if they didn't want to help. Right, yeah. And hopefully it helps somebody else as well, so. It's cathartic getting it out sometimes. Definitely. Right, yeah. Okay, well, thanks for coming on the show and um, come back anytime. All right, well, thanks for coming on and uh, talk to you later. Yeah, have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Bye. All right, thank you, O, for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, I'd like to thank listener Lauren for her feedback on Podbean. Um, I really appreciate it. She... She writes, I understand this nightmare of shame, mental illness, restlessness, despair, and discontent. We are seen as weirdo monsters and despise ourselves and despise ourselves, slowly drowning in self-destruction in various ways. But there is hope in recovery. It's such a long journey. But if we take care of ourselves, stay sober, we become stronger, less selfish by putting our recovery first so we can be healthy, productive members of society for ourselves, and most importantly, for our loved ones. I thought that was pretty nice. All right. Uh, Some of you, if you follow me on Twitter, might know about my T-shirt sort of promo that I'm running. Um, If you leave me a review, either on iTunes or on Stitcher, take a screenshot of that or link to it or something and send that to me, Um, I will put your name in a hat and... At the end of next week, I'll go ahead and and pull two names out, and I'll send each of those guys a T-shirt. So that's on iTunes or on Stitcher. Um, Leave a rate and a review, please, if you would. Good ratings are great, but any rating is also great. (laughs) All right. uh, If you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at ThatBWord1. You can find me on Facebook at ThatBWordPod. You can find me on my new Pinterest board which is That B Word Podcast. Email me at thatbword at stonefruitmedia.net. And you can find my website and blog with some more details on that t-shirt promotion at thatbword.stonefruitmedia.net. 
All right, guys, I think that's going to do it. Um, until next time, thanks. Bye.